Hi, and welcome to the Conscious Leadership Podcast. As I was thinking about what to talk about this week, I found myself really stuck. I have a lot of stories to tell, and I want to make sure that I'm focused on humanizing leadership in the business world. The secondary objective of the podcast is to weave some humor and levity and entertainment into the sometimes serious nature of what it means to be leaders. But the world is kind of on fire right now, and I can't ignore it, and I don't want to avoid my responsibility as a white woman of privilege to contribute as I can to the long overdue repair and reconciliation of systemic inequality in our country. So I'm going to share a story, as I do here, of my first real awakening to the fact that my upbringing, whiteness, and privilege enabled a dissociation from the experience of blatant racism. When I was 13, my mom married my stepdad, Dr. Edsel Dereza. He was an internal medicine specialist who was born in the Philippines and immigrated to the United States um, later in his life when he did a residency and taught at Loyola College in Illinois. He shared stories with us about growing up in the Philippines, how he and his brothers would sing and sell oranges for money, not wearing any shoes, uh, how his father's work with the U.S. government during World War II provided some GI Bill support for his education and medical school, and how he practiced his English and learned U.S. geography by watching basketball when he arrived here in the States. We called him Dr. D when we first met him, and when it became serious between he and my mom, we simply dropped the doctor and he became D to all of us. D had three sons from his previous marriage, Fritz, Franz, and Carl. Yep, you heard that right. I can't explain it. Uh, they were all older than we were, um, my brother and sister and I. And we thought, and so, uh, so Carl came to live with us for a little bit, uh, his last year of high school. I think it was just his last year. But we didn't spend a ton of time or really get to know the two oldest because they were already fairly grown when my parents got married. But at one point, when I was a senior in high school, Fritz, the middle son, came to visit with a friend of his. It was pretty exciting because they were older and kind of edgy and cool. Uh, they had a couple tattoos and Fritz's friend, I can't for the life of me remember his name, um, who was also Asian, was so kind and so welcoming and had these really cool long dreadlocks and we just thought he was super cool. Such a nice guy. And it was summertime and a friend of I, friend and I were uh, going into Lake Geneva. We lived in Wisconsin and Lake Geneva was a kind of a resort town. A lot of Illinois folks would come up and spend time on the lake there. Um, and we were going to hang out and see which of our friends were prowling around and Fritz and his friend asked if they could come with us. I was a little in awe at the ease and confidence they both had. They just seemed so old and mature, but I was excited to do something different and new. So we parked near the lake, a little down from where the town's restaurants and bars were concentrated. And it was probably, I don't know, 9, 8, 9 9.30 at this point. Um, and we were just sitting on the back of my car, chatting and getting to know each other, sharing stories. When this stocky, muscled, dark hair guy came stumbling down the hill towards us. Immediately, I could tell he was trouble. 
He began glaring at the guys, and I muttered under my breath, what's with this guy? Ugh, I wish I had picked up on the cues, but I was totally oblivious to the tension and alertness of my stepbrother and his kind, welcoming friend. But the righteous indignation of a relatively well-educated liberal white teenager is an unpredictable and troublesome quality. Simultaneously effective and dangerous, as I was about to find out. Just leave it alone, Fritz said quietly. But this stumbling jerk was making a determined, albeit zigzagged, line in our direction, giving the guys a pointed, hateful, antagonizing stare. And he was nearly past us. My sense of injustice and righteousness got the better of me. And I blurted out, you got a problem? God, this is a hard story to tell. I won't go into the slurs and epithets, uh, but suffice it to say that this guy wasn't very good at discerning ethnic ethnicity by skin color. Fritz, and man, why can't I remember his name? The story is so deeply rooted in humiliation for me that I've buried it somewhere, I'm sure. Well, Fritz's friend tried to de-escalate and tell the guy that they had no quarrel with him. They were just peaceful, just hanging out while I fanned the flames in the background by telling the guy that he was even more of an idiot than I thought. And he never even looked at me. He just stared, so he just started beating the shit out of Fritz's friend, decidedly the smaller of the two of them. I stood there in horror, unable to grasp what I was seeing. Unprovoked hatred, violence, violation of our space, violation of this kind, sweet, welcoming boy's body. I had never heard the sound of punching before, and it wasn't anything like it is on the movies. It was just this thick, smacking thud. Thank God it didn't last long. Fritz wrestled him out and told him to move on, while his friend searched for the contact lens that had popped free from his eye with one of the rapid jabs to his face. And I was finally, and belatedly, speechless. I have a vague memory now of the two of them turning to me angrily and telling me I didn't understand, that I should have just kept my mouth shut. But to this day, I don't really know if they actually said anything to me or not. But that was definitely the internal dialogue in my head. I wish I could say I stepped up in that moment and helped. I wish I could say we had a meaningful discussion about what it meant to be white or brown or black in the world. But the red-faced truth is, I ran. All 17 years old of me, I ran blindly away from my friend, my brother, from the purple bruise welling up over the eye of his kind, sweet, dreadlocked friend. And I hid. I hid under a park bench for a while or a, par or a picnic table and cried. At some point, we all joined up again. I remember apologizing and admitting that I was ignorant. I remember telling the story when we got home to our parents. And I remember that the boys, while remarkably understanding, didn't exactly left, let me off the hook either. They pointed out that my inexperience with this kind of hate was actually what made me dangerous in that moment. That my provocation of oncoming racism wasn't helpful, obviously. It was a pivotal moment for me in my understanding of injustice. I am not an expert. I'm not remotely as enlightened as I want to be. But I do deeply understand that my whiteness has kept me pretty comfortably distanced from more examples like this. 
nearly 30 years later, I can count on one hand how many times I've seen similar scenes of aggressive behavior like that. But I know they exist. And I know that systemic microaggressions undermine the fabric of inequality and justice too. Unconscious bias, overt discrimination, hate crimes, and everything in between, it all needs to be examined and healed. I am not an expert. I am not as enlightened as I wanna be, but I am a work in progress. I'm not going to say all the right things all the time, but I'm going to keep learning, experiencing, experimenting, donating, and supporting the long overdue enlightenment of our collective consciousness. After all, that is what I purport to do for a living. I help people raise their own consciousness to become better leaders, parents, and people. We can all be more aware of our attitudes and beliefs, but it's not going to be automatic. My hope is that we all strive to be better. We can also be more accepting of the learning process as we bump up against each other in the process. I, for one, am committed to doing better. I know I'm going to make mistakes along the way, but I'm not going to stop trying. I believe in the power of telling stories and sharing experience. And I hope that you will search through your memory banks for those moments. And as we all continue to learn and grow and accept each other, I hope that we can learn to be gentle as well. Thanks for listening. Be well.